0: Thank you for joining us today for the Church of the Rock Calgary podcast. If you'd like to find out more about us or have any questions, please email info at cotrcalgary.ca. We hope you enjoy today's message. The title is actually just very simply a question. And the question is, are you hungry and thirsty? Are you hungry and thirsty? And it was interesting, you know, what Dwayne shared. I was, you know, it's always a blessing when in the worship time, um, someone shares something that relates to, you know, kind of the essence of what you're talking about. So Dwayne was talking about God saying, hey, are you, are, are you passionate, Dwayne? Are you really wanting change? Are you really, you know, are you really kind of intense about what I want to do? And I want to talk a bit about that today and, and what that looks like and how um, God wants us actually to be hungry and thirsty. That actually when, when we're hungry and thirsty for the right things, our lives change when we're hungry and thirsty for the wrong things, and are satisfied by the wrong things. Then, then we don't we don't change. We don't see the things that God wants us to see. And so, I want to kind of unpack that a bit. Matthew five six says this: "Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled." And it sounds kind of like an opposite thing, like you know that you hunger and thirst, and you know that that would be a blessing. But it's a blessing because those who hunger and thirst for, for God, for righteousness means right standing with God. It means that I'm serving him, that I, that I know him. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for that will be filled. And when we're filled, that's when we're satisfied. And so let me ask you a question. Have you ever been, ever been really thirsty? Like really thirsty? I mean, I know, you know, we have moments where we're thirsty and we ate that you know, salty popcorn, mm, popcorn. Anyway, no, we, but, but, but we eat that salty popcorn or we, we have something and, you know, we need, need some water and we're thirsty. But I, the time when I think about when was I really thirsty, I think about when I was probably 10 years old and we were driving, we, we lived in uh, Iracana near Calgary and we were driving to, Cal- to Edmonton on Highway 2 to see some friends up there. We didn't have air conditioning. We had this a uh, little Toyota Corolla wagon with 460 air conditioning. You know what I'm talking about? Roll the windows down, let the air in. My brother and I were sitting in the back. Sun was beating in. It was super hot. And I remember, you know, we were in a rush to get to Edmonton. And it's no, this is no slam on my parents. Um, you know, we were in a rush. We were getting to Edmonton. They didn't realize how dehydrated that I felt. But I remember sitting there in the back, and it was like parched, like, you know, need a drink. I mean, because I'm kind of a sweater anyway, so sweating, and and then just that the thirst. I remember thinking, when are we going to stop and get a drink? You know, and it just seemed to take forever. And and I, I can't remember. We stopped at one of those Voyageur, S.O. Voyageur restaurants. You that are my age, you remember that? They don't have them anymore. We stopped at that. I remember we went in, and uh, we we ordered a drink, and it was air conditioned, which was nice. And we ordered a drink, and. And I remember I just chucked mine back, like just, it was like more, more. I think, I can't remember how many glasses of water I had, but I was so thirsty. All I could think of was I need a drink of water. You have been there when it's like that? It's just all, you, all I could think of. And I couldn't just get one readily, had to wait until we stopped. And, and so I think about that thirst. When I, when I think about, blessed are those who hunger and thirst. Think of that, how I, I needed one thing, and that was water. And let me just say this. That's the same way spiritually that, that that passage is talking about, that there needs to be in us, and there is in us at times, a thirst, a hunger for more and for God to come. And, and he wants it to be about his spirit. Now, the reality is we can, be, we can be satisfied by other things other than God, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But here's some of the. I was looking up what some of the problems are for dehydration. Okay, so just bear with me for a minute. A little bit of a lesson here. You, you might learn a few things. You might be drinking a lot more water in the next few days. So you know it's a side benefit of coming to church, right? Hey, I learned about that. I'm dehydrated, so I need to drink more water. It can be excruciating and dangerous to be dehydrated. Um, here's some of the things that happen if you're dehydrated. You become disoriented. If you, if you watch the marathon video I showed a few weeks ago of the marathon runner coming in, trying to finish the race, the first uh, female marathon w- women's marathon in 1984 at the Olympics, I showed a clip of one of the women that pushed through, and she was staggering to the finish line. You, if, if you were here, you remember that. Well, she was dehydrated. She missed a water, a water station, and so she was disoriented. She was staggering. She was ready to fall over. That's a sign of dehydration. She, she didn't have it. Mental and physical lethargy. You, you can't think straight. You're not as clear. You're sluggish. You can get confused. That's a natural sign of dehydration. And they say that 75% of Americans are chronically dehydrated. In other words, every day, all the time, 75%. That's a lot of people. And it's not like it's, it's, we have a problem with water, right? It's you know what I mean? Like we have water and we have good water, to be honest. Sometimes we get into all this bottled water stuff. To be honest, we have water from the tap. I mean, go to Kenya, you need bottled water. I've been there, that's all you can drink. But here, we actually have decent water, but, but we often forget to drink it. 50% of the world's chronically dehydrated. 75% of Americans are. <laughs> there, you, there you go. <laughs> I won't repeat that on the, on the tape. But anyway, yes, there you go. That's funny. 70% of preschoolers drink no water during the school day. That would be not good. 70% of preschoolers. Kids need to drink water. Um, Here's the thing. I believe that many believers are spiritually dehydrated. And they don't know it. Because the reality is most people that are dehydrated don't realize it. They're not aware. And so they probably don't realize why they're tired. And it might be just as simple as drinking water. So let me look at a picture here. I want to look at two pictures because I did say, are you thirsty and are you hungry? Or are you hungry and are you thirsty? Because I want to look at both of those pictures in the Bible. Jesus gives us some pictures of what it's like um, when, when, we, when we are thirsty and when we're hungry and how we views it. And, and the first one I want to look at is in John chapter 4, and it's also in Luke 4. It's the woman at the well. And some of you would be familiar with that story. Maybe not everyone. So let me just give you a background. Jesus is traveling with his disciples and he comes to a town called Sychar. And there's a, there's a, a well there that is back to the time of Jacob. So it's an ancient well. And um, he sits down, he's tired and the disciples go into town to get food, right? So Jesus sits there on his own and a Samaritan woman comes to draw water now, you got to understand something. The Samaritans, the Jews, there was a break between them. They were, Jews considered Samaritans like half-breed, so to speak, uh, not, not pure Jewish blood, and there was differences. And so there was, they, they didn't get along. And so for here's the thing with Jesus. Jesus is sitting there, and then he starts talking to a Samaritan. Oh, and he starts talking to a Samaritan woman, which would have been unusual normally for him to do or for a man to do sitting there. So Jesus, of course, is always pushing things out there, changing the norms, right? So he's there. He, he asked this woman, he says, will you give me a drink? And the, the woman says to him, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? Like I'm, I'm shocked that you would ask me for a drink because it says even right in the Bible, for Jews do not associate with Samaritans. All right, so she's just kind of rocked by this. Jesus says, answered her, he says, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. So he's pushing in now. He's saying, if you knew who I was, you would request living water from me. Now she doesn't understand what this is. So she says, sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? are you you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it it himself as also did his sons and his flocks and herds? Jesus answered this, and this is on the PowerPoint here. Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. So he points, points to the well and he says, if you just drink this physical water, you'll be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Now, can you imagine somebody telling you, if you drink this water right here in this well, or you drink the water I have for you, you'll never have to drink again. You'll never have to worry about being dehydrated. Wouldn't that save a lot? That'd be awesome. I mean, if you could do that, right? Oh, great. I just drank the permanent water and living water, and now I never have to worry again about it. Well, of course, we know Jesus wasn't saying that. But she's trying to grapple with, well, I want, she's thinking, I want that water then. If I could drink the water you're talking about and never thirst again, like how do I get this water? I mean, she's, she's intrigued. It's interesting when people, Jesus talked to people how he created interest. He painted a picture, gives her a picture of the well, uses the well, gets her interest, and she's like, he's reeling her in as far as uh, him, her listening to him and hearing truth. And then verse fifteen, the woman said to him, "Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water." Now this is where it shifts, and I'll explain why it shifts. She's just said, "Give me this water," and and then here's what Jesus says. He tells her, "Go call your husband and come back." She says, "I have no husband." And then Jesus says to her, "You're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands." And the man you now have is not your husband. What you said is quite true. Wow. That's an interesting turn. He's talking to her about living water. He's talking to her about, you know, her need of of what he has to offer, a spiritual relationship with him. And all of a sudden, she's like, how do I get this water? And instead of saying, well, here's how you get this water. Come to me. He says, go get your husband. (laughs) And she goes, well, I don't have, you know, you know the, the dialogue. And he exposes to her, hey, I know where you're at. I know, I know where you're living. We'll look in a minute why he did that. She says, I can see you're a prophet, right? You just read my mail. You just told me something you can't know. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Anyway, I'll move on here. Um, Jesus shows her and speaks to her. She says in verse 25, I know the Messiah is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. And then verse 26, Jesus says, I who speak to you am he. Do you imagine that? Jesus says, I'm the Messiah. And by that time, he just told her all these secrets. And so she's thinking, he must be. So his disciples come back. They're surprised that he's talking with a woman, right, for obvious reasons. And then leaving the water jar, the woman goes back to town and she says, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? And all the people followed her out there. Now it's amazing. Jesus turns that incident in an opportunity to talk about salvation, to talk about what he's come to do. But what I want to focus on is this. Why did Jesus bring up her relationship with man? Why did he do that? Was Was he... judging her? Was he pointing a finger at her and going, I know your sins. I know who you are. And I'm going to let you know who you are. And this is who you are. And you better repent. Was he doing that? I don't think he was. You know what I think he was doing? And I think he does the same thing to us. I think he was pointing out what her source of water was to that point. See, she's thirsty in her life, just like anybody else, just like you and I. Every one of us is thirsty and hungry for something. We, we need to be fed. We have a soul that needs to be fed. We have, we have needs. We, we're, we're, we're empty, and therefore, we have a choice. Either we're going to go to God to be filled with, with the void in our lives, or we're going to fill it with other things. Jesus is showing this woman that what she's been filling her thirst with, as, a, as it were, is these men. She's had five relationships. It's, it's like that's what her source has been, and, and the, the man you're with now is not your husband. He's pointing out to her, this, this, is, this is what your life's been, but he's, he's doing it to contrast and say, look, this is your life, but I have more for you. You don't need your relationships with men to be satisfied. You need me. You need me in your life. Do you see what I'm saying? I think that's what he was doing. And in doing that, what he's, what's happening with us is he's kind of pointing to us too. I think, I think he points to each one of us. He says, I have living water for you. I have more for you. I want you to experience my presence. I want you to be satisfied. I want you, um, when, you, when, you when you ache and you feel dehydrated and you're confused and you're uncertain in life and you're thinking, how can I, how can I uh, be sustained? What can I bring into my life that's gonna help me? He's saying, rather than bring in These other things, relationships, entertainment, whatever it might be, we look to, he's saying, bring me in. I'm the living water. You need me. Don't depend on those things. Don't depend on whatever it is. You need me. Here's what Jeremiah 2 says about this. My people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. They've done two things. They've forsaken me. And then they've dug their own cisterns. Now, I, I've only had once in my life where I had a place where there was a cistern. It was in southern Ontario. I used to live uh, down a mile from Lake Erie for, I think it was two years. I lived a mile from Lake Erie down in southern Ontario. And um, because it was near Lake Erie and because of the way the soil was and, and the topography, you couldn't just dig a well. Because I think the water was was kind of gross and it wasn't very good. And so what they did is they had cisterns. So you know they dug a cistern. Now a cistern. The difference between a cistern and a well is a well has um, water that comes into it, right? You dig a good well, you you tap into the underground water, and, and now the the well is filling up with water uh, from under the ground, and it's 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 living in that sense. It's not stagnant. It's constantly refilling. And if you get a good well, I mean, the water's delicious. It's cold. You get what I'm saying? But a cistern's not like that. A cistern has no source except whatever's artificially brought into it, okay? So this cistern, I remember uh, this cistern because they cleaned it out. And I remember as a, as a boy looking down into it, it. was They had a light on and they were down there. It was just a cement container, really, and I don't know how many gallons it held, but what, what we had to have happen is we had to have a truck come in and fill the cistern, right? And then when it got empty, another truck would come in and fill the cistern. There was no natural source. You get my point? So, what, so this gives me framework here. Because what Jesus is saying is, they have my people have committed two sins. They've forsaken me the spring of living water so I you know God's saying I am the source I'm the living water kind of the same picture Jesus is giving that woman I' am the living water if you're connected with me there's a source bubbling up within you that gives you life and and hydrates you spiritually right but my people have forsaken me and they cho- they've chosen to dig their own cisterns they've chosen to dig containers that will hold water but but they, they're not going to be living. They're not going to be sustainable. They're going to have to bring in water from elsewhere. That's what people in the world are doing, to be honest. There people that don't know Jesus, and, and I don't say this in condemnation. I'm just saying this is reality. They don't know the living water. And so they're, they're looking to fill their life with other things, with, with water that they get from, you know, it could be their job, their career, money, power. It could be relationships. And so those, that's what Jesus was saying to that woman. You've been filling your life with these relationships. But I want to be the source. I want to come and fill you. And, and I don't want you to be just a broken. And it actually says a broken cistern that cannot hold water. So think about this. Not only, God is saying, not only are his people forsaking him, the living water, but what they're digging in their lives, what they're producing in their lives, doesn't, not only does it need water to come from the outside, from other sources, from their career, from relationships, from whatever, but when the water comes in, it doesn't even, it's not even contained. It leaks away, right? It, it's not sustainable. I think that's a really good picture of people in this life without God. They're trying to fill their life with whatever, but it's never enough. And it's like they can't hold on to it. It, it, it just leaks out. Do you, do you get what I'm saying? And maybe, maybe if you're here and you're a Christ follower, you can remember before you became a Christ follower and you can think, that's true, that's right. It didn't feel enough. And I could never, I could never have enough. I've heard countless stories of people who their, their lifestyle was, was into all sorts of, of ways to satisfy themselves and amuse themselves. But the common thread was it was never enough. It never met the need in my heart. And that's what God's talking about here. He's saying, um, He's saying, don't do that. Don't dig your own cisterns. I'm the source of your water. I'm the source of your spiritual water and life. So we all hunger and thirst for more. The key is, how do we deal with it? Where do we go? Now, it's easy for us to think that this is just for people that don't know God. But it's not true. It's for us too us that, us, those of us here who are already Christ followers, we can be a Christ follower and still do the same thing. We can still turn to other sources to satisfy us rather than to our own savior. It's hard to fathom, isn't it? But we can do that. And we do do that. I've done that. And I find, wait a minute, this isn't, this isn't satisfying. This isn't life. And we need to Change. We need to make new decisions. So the second picture I want to give you is is the hungry part, and this is in in Luke four. Jesus is in the desert for forty days. Interesting picture with Jesus. Can you imagine in that in that passage Jesus um, goes down to be baptized by John the Baptist, and John the Baptist says to him, "Well, I should baptize. You should baptize me because he knows he's the Messiah." Jesus says, "No." He'd be baptized by you. So as Jesus is there, ready to be baptized in water, go down the water, come back, which is a symbol of his life in the Father and how, how he's died to himself in that sense and how he's been resurrected. There's a whole picture there. So as he's getting ready, the Father says, this is my son whom, in whom I'm well pleased, right? God affirms him in that moment. And people hear it but don't know where it's coming from. And it's the Father affirming Jesus. Think about it. You know, Jesus is 30 years old. He's ready to start his ministry. And that was a significant time um, in the life of Jewish men. And, and God is, it, it, the father is approving of his son. And you'd think everything was going to be golden from here, right? This is great. This is, this is the start of Jesus' ministry. It's going to be glorious. And then the father calls him into the desert for 40 days. And I, this is supernatural because it says he ate nothing during those days. Um, he was tempted by the devil, he ate nothing, and at the end he was hungry. 40 days in the hot desert, tempted by the enemy. Doesn't sound fun. You know, he just had this glorious moment, and all of a sudden got the spirit calls him into the desert for 40 days. Anybody here ever been called into a desert? You ever felt like, God, why am I in this desert right now? I mean, I'm I I I've been affirmed by you. I believe I'm obeying you, I'm trying to serve you, and, but I'm in a desert, and it seems like you want me here, you've put me here, why? And you know, it, was, it Jesus was the son of God, but he was human, so he's in this hot desert. Well, what happens is the enemy comes to him. I mean, I'd be pretty hungry too after all those days. And so the devil comes to him and says, if you're the son of God, tell this stone to become bread. And the reason the enemy could do that, because he knew that Jesus had the power to do that. Think about it. Jesus turned water into wine later. But in the desert, he's not given permission. God hasn't told him to do anything like that. So the enemy's saying, hey, turn this bread to the stone into bread. And, you know, you're hungry. And Jesus says, man does not live on bread alone. You know, elsewhere it says, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So Jesus is resisting the enemy, but he's hungry. He needs his needs met, and he's choosing to obey his father. Then, then it says the devil takes him to a high place, shows him in an instant all the kings of, kingdoms of the world. I don't know how he did that, but pretty incredible. And he says, I'll give you all the authority and splendor for it's been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want to. So if you worship me, it will be yours. So he appeals to his desire for, for power, for authority, for wealth, for splendor, right? He's appealing to the, that that carnal desire for those things. And you think, well, how would Jesus be tempted by that? He's Jesus. Well, he's 40 days in the desert. He's, he's hungry. He's tired, right? And so the enemy's saying, look, here's an easy, quick fix. Just you bow down to me and I'll make your life really good. You know, just give up this really hard walk of serving, serving God and being obedient, being out here in this desert. I can get you out of the desert. Just follow me. I'll get you out of the desert and and you'll have power and authority. That's what he's doing. You ever been in a desert and the enemy's tempted you to short circuit it, jump out of it, leave it, right? You're in a desert. Leave this desert. Do something different, you know? Jump out of this. There's a way and yet God has told you, remain and be faithful. That's what the enemy was doing with Jesus. And then the next thing it says is, and so Jesus says, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. So he's resisting the enemy. Then he takes him, the devil takes him to Jerusalem, stands on the highest point of the temple. If you're the son of God, throw yourself down from here, right? And he quotes scripture to encourage him that this is true, that he'll be okay. Jesus says, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, he's appealing to him. If he jumps down, the idea would be he would be this amazing supernatural hero. It would, you know, his ministry would start. Think about it, right? Somebody jumps down to the temple, they're fine. It would be supernatural. All of a sudden, everybody knows who you are. And, and, and the applause of people and the you know, the encouragement of people and the affirmation of people would mean something. But Jesus says, don't put the Lord your God to the test. And finally, the devil leaves him. <laughs> after, after this, after these temp- tests, the devil leaves him. And it says, Jesus, and let, watch this, Jesus returned to Galilee In the power of the Spirit. And news about him spread through the whole countryside. He taught in the synagogues and everyone praised him. What happened? When Jesus resisted the temptation to feed himself in other ways, God fed him. And the Holy Spirit came. And he became bread for many. Do you you see the picture? Now the enemy was saying, hey, short circuit this. Get out of the desert. You know, you're hungry. And he was hungry. And so take care of it yourself. Feed yourself. Instead, Jesus said, no, I wait for my father to feed me. I wait. My hunger is there, but I'm not going to feed myself. I need God to come. I need my father to feed me. He'll show me. And God leads him out of the desert. And not only is he physically fed, obviously he ate at that moment, but the spirit of God comes on him. He is full of the Holy Spirit. And he moves out in power. You know, some of you are in a desert. I mean, it's easy to say that. I know there's always people in desert moments, but I really feel this morning to encourage you. If you're in a desert and you feel like, you know, I'm hungry, I'm hungry for more God, I, I need you to move in my life, I need change in my life, I'm looking for breakthrough. It might be breakthrough emotionally, breakthrough in your heart and your conditions, it might be breakthrough in your job or your financial circumstance, it might be all sorts of things, it might be a combination of those things. And you're in a desert. And, and it's just like, when will you come, God? When, when are, you, are you, you know, should I do something? What should I do? And God's saying, I, I want you to wait on me. I want you to stay close to me. I want you to resist the enemy's temptations to turn away from me and to turn to other things. I want you to stay in that place. And I'm going to come to you and I'm going to water you, to mix metaphors. I'm going to water you. I'm going to feed you. And you're going to actually be stronger after this desert than you were before. Somebody needs to hear that. You're going to be stronger if you could just just remain in a place of trusting the Father and don't run and don't take matters into your own hands. I believe God says, I'm going to come. I'm going to do something deeper in you. And in the end, you're going to leave with more power and more of my presence in your life. And you're going to be a blessing to many. You know, the longer I go in this, the more I realize the more I can be poured out and be a blessing to others, the more blessed I am. The more God does in me that I can impart to others, the more ultimately I am fed, I am watered. It's true. It, it, it's, it's odd because you'd think that the more we pour out, the more God does something in us, and then the more we give away, the less we have. But it's not true. We are refreshed. You know, I was telling someone about our time over in the UK. I mean, we, we did a, quite a bit of ministry stuff. We did some personal stuff too. And we were were blessed to be able to do that. But we did quite a bit of ministry stuff. But I'll tell you this much. We feel refreshed in our spirit. Might be physically tired this morning. But in my heart, I feel refreshed. Why? Because he who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. When we pour out for God and it's his will and his purpose, he will fill us. So I want to encourage you today. If you're in that desert, don't despair. God knows you're there. And it may be that like the Holy Spirit led Jesus into the desert? Think about it. The Holy Spirit led him into the desert. So sometimes we get like, why am I in this place? This must be sin in my life. It must be wrong. God's saying, no, actually, this is a season, but it's gonna end. Don't despair, don't give up. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst, they will be filled. And as you're hungry in that desert, as you're thirsty in that desert, and you turn to the Lord, he's gonna fill you, and you're gonna return and move in the power of the Holy Spirit. I believe that. So there, there, there is a reality here of us trusting the Lord. So these two pictures give us a, a, a real clear understanding of what Jesus is saying. And they, they challenge us because on the one hand, you know, the, the, the thirst picture shows us that we all need to drink and we need to make sure our source is living water. And so why do we get in this place where we're thirsty and hungry? Why do we get there? Well, one reason is we neglect our souls. We, we're running, we're living, and we don't present ourselves to receive from the Lord. And that, that is often, that, that can be a situation in my life. I'll, I'll own that. I'm, I'm an action person. And so I'll start working and moving and doing things, and then I, I start wondering, why do I feel dry? Why, why do I feel disconnected? Why am I starting to feel cranky? Oh, yes, that's right. I need God. <laughs> I need to spend time, more time with him. And actually, the more busy I get and the more I have to carry, I need God more. And I, I still forget that at times. And then I realize I'm, I'm neglecting myself. I'm running on empty. I'm not taking the time to be refilled. I'm not taking the time for the Holy Spirit to fill me or for God to interact with me. So sometimes it's our own neglect. It's, it's mis- and it can be, that neglect can also be just our misplaced um, hunger and thirst. We're, we're looking at other things, as I mentioned. We're, we're seeking out other sources that are not of God. And God says, I want you to cut that off and I want you to look to me only. Second thing is what I mentioned earlier, and I won't dwell on this too much. I've already talked about it. Droughts come to our lives that have nothing to do with us. They are, they are God's working in us. And so we, we need to understand that happens. And when we understand that happens, God wants to lead us deeper into him. You know, half of the Psalms are a cry asking where God is. You ever read those? Read the Psalms? David and others were so real. They're like, where are you, God? I was, I was talking about this at the AMP program, how uncensored the Bible is. You ever thought about how uncensored it is? You read some of those Old Testament stories, especially, it's like, wow, I mean, could we not have cut that out? I mean, that's disturbing, right? Like some of it, it's just, you know, and people sin, and, but, but God... You know allows it to kind of be unvarnished just to show us that this is this is what happens when people don't serve God. this is what happens when people aren't focused on the right things. this is what happens when somebody is dry and weary and not not plugged into the well of living water and so though the real crying of out of our, our heroes in the Bible just helps us to know that they went through hard times, we go through hard times, and that's that doesn't make us bad. It just means we're, we're like death. And in the end, God's going to come through like he came through for them. And it exposes our need for God. Dryness is the wake-up call that says, you need me. I need God. When I'm dry, if I, if I didn't dehydrate spiritually, if I had no need, I wouldn't, I know me, I would just energize or bunny, i just keep going. But God allows me to feel dry. He allows me to fill my need. So then I need to have a drink. Otherwise, like I said, I become disoriented, confused. I get spiritually dehydrated. So spiritual drought can restore our fruitfulness for God. If we didn't realize that we were hungry or thirsty, we would die. Isn't it good that you know you're thirsty? There are some diseases and situations where people don't feel their hunger. There are problems that people, I mean, if you didn't know you were hungry or thirsty and didn't have that sense, you would die and you wouldn't want to drink or eat. Thankfully, God allows us to know it physically and spiritually. So what, what, do, I, what do I want to encourage you with today? Well, I, I want to encourage you that God is calling you to come near, whatever that looks like for you, wherever you're at, Jeremiah 30, 21 and 22 says this their leader will be one of their own their ruler will arise from among them i will bring him near and he will come close to me for who is he who will devote himself to be close to me declares the lord so you will be my people and i will be your god i will bring him near and he will come close to me you know i think that the best thing we can do when we're spiritually dry and thirsty and hungry is just to determine to come close to the Father, to determine to come closer than we have. I I think of a story I heard of a pastor who who, um, began to spend larger amounts of time with the Lord each day. Actually, it became um, so extensive that he started feeling guilty. You know, I'm spending too much time praying and just with God worshiping. And the Lord spoke to him and said, if you don't spend this time with me now, you won't be able to experience what I have for you in the future. And in, as time went on, this young man, years later, his church, God did so much and touched so many people. But it was because of his devotion earlier. God was preparing him. You know, God wants to prepare you and I for more. And so he's calling us. Will you come close to me? Will, will, you, will you forsake those things? That's why we fast and pray. Because fasting and prayer is putting aside those natural things and really saying, God, you're it. I'm going to look to you. I'm even going to forsake natural things right now so that I can focus on you because I need you. I need your presence in my life. Then John 15 tells us, and I'll only read part of it, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing, right? Cut the branch off the tree like we've done before at our house, we pruned our tree. You got to get those branches and, you know, get, take care of them right away. Because if you leave them there, all the leaves dry up and then you got a mess. You know what I'm talking about. So what you and I are like that. If we get cut off from the tree, from our connection with God, our relation with God, we just wither and die. There's nothing there. So today I want to encourage you that if you're dry today, if you recognize you're dry, there's, there's a way forward for you and for me. God just calls you back to relationship. He calls you back to spending time with him. He calls you back to, to looking at him rather than other things. Where are you looking for your water and food today spiritually? Are you digging your own cisterns? Is there activities and focuses you need to repent of? Say, God, forgive me. I, I've, I've been trying to salve myself. I've been trying to help myself. I need you. Maybe you need to change your priorities so you can spend more time abiding and spending time in his presence because I believe God wants to touch us with more. I believe he has more for our church, but, but more for our church means more for each of us, right? And he loves you and he loves me. He wants us to go deeper. The other thing, you need the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. Living water, there, there's a very tangible reality of being filled with his spirit. And if you've not experienced this, you need to. You know, we believe in this church that when we come to know Jesus, he wants us, to be baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit. He wants to literally pour his power and life into us. And we're leaky vessels, right? It's not a one-time thing. I was prayed for once, and God's Holy Spirit power came in me. It, it's meant to be every day. It's meant to be regular. I spend time with the Holy Spirit. He fills me, and I'm refreshed. So I, I want to just remind you today, it's, this is a simple message. I know that. This is a simple message. but I. I felt like God wanted me to encourage you as I encourage myself to assess where you are and then to come close. Whatever that looks like for you, ask God, what does that look like for me? How, how, how would I come closer to you? What, what do I need to forsake? How would my life change? How can I give more time? What does that look like for me so that I can, I can be filled? And if I'm in that desert season, God, I don't want to push away. I actually want to push into you and I want to be filled by you so that I come out with power. I want to come out of this desert stronger than when I came in. I think that's what God has for, for us today. So I want to encourage you to do something this morning. We're going to, we're going to have communion. And uh, we have it right up here. Thank you, Bev, for setting it up. Um, and we're going to do it a little differently in the sense that we're, we, a lot of times we pass the plate around, um, but we have it sitting here so that there's two sides, so it'll make it faster. And you come down and you just pick up the juice and the, the wafer and just go back to your seat. But I think today it's significant that we actually come forward because I think it's actually in some ways symbolic of us saying, God, I'm going to come close to you. God, I, I, I want you. And I'm getting out of my seat. And it's just symbolic of our relationship. You know, when we, when we take the communion elements, we, we realize that the juice represents the shed blood of our Lord. The, the bread is the broken body of our Lord when he died on the cross for our sins. And we're partaking when we do it. And Jesus instituted it. He told us to do this, to remember him, to remember his sacrifice, to remember his shed blood. And so when we're coming down here today, think of this for a minute. We're talking about hunger and thirst. And think about this. You are taking, you are, you are picking up a glass, right? And you are taking the bread, thirst and hunger. And, and what satisfies your thirst? Well, it's, it's the, the blood of Jesus covering your life. It's the presence of God in your life. And the broken body of our Lord became bread for the world. He became life for us. So today, when you come down and take this, and we'll, we'll, we'll partake together, but I think come down today. And as you come down, wherever you're at with this, you might be in a great spot and you think, thanks for reminding me. Things are really good with me and God right now. We're tight, and I think, I think it's good. But you, you might be coming down and saying, I'm dry, I'm thirsty, I'm hungry, and I want to come near. And God, I'm stepping out today to remind myself and to honor you that this is the source of my life, and I need you more in my life. God. Thank you for joining us today for the Church of Rock Calgary podcast. If you'd like to find out more about us or have any questions, please email info at cotrcalgary.ca.